How about them lions? Oh man, let us all down. We've been trying to avoid this for weeks, but you know what? In the same way that the government takes away your eggnog in January, they set us on the course for the worst Super Bowl yet again. The growing calls across the nation to defund the Guns up, giddy up, Wolfpack. To everyone else, we say hello. This is Failure to Stop. This is the number one podcast and platform where we entertain and inform first responders and we annoy our friends. Speaking of friends, joining me as always is Chief Keefe. He's a firefighter out of Cincinnati. I'm an active 911 dispatch in the field. My name's John. I'm an active uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, even in the offseason. Jason, uh, how are things going over there? I know they're not going well, but for the sake of a podcast, make up something cool to say when I ask you how things are going. Things are going fantastic outside of my voice, John. But uh... <laughs> Jason is uh, feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, he is uh, not the only one, uh, to say the least. Again, we're still thinking and praying about Rob. The situation over there is not great. Not to uh, get into that, but uh, Rob is in front of the show and he's not doing well. We hope for a quick turnaround for him. Uh, hopefully they can they can figure out what's going on. But uh, as for where you can find Jason, Rob, and Dan, they're over on the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. That's a, a show that Jason does. And uh, if you want to catch that to learn about all the things going on in their world and uh, not just Ohio, you could check that at any time. Uh, we're here this week. We're going to be reacting to the NFL championship games. Uh, we first of all we had the the Chiefs win uh, as uh, as some people didn't expect it, it's kind of amazing uh, we're looking at uh, the fallout from different conspiracies right it seems like either way the game was conspired to turn out the way that it did like there was the logo conspiracy that raged for months that said that the Ravens were destined to be the top AFC team because the logo has a tinge of purple in it uh, but it turned out to turn out to be the Chiefs. They've uh, they've gone to their, uh, I believe, fourth or fifth consecutive AFC title, and they've they've won. They've been to the Super Bowl a lot lately. Uh, so that was against the logo conspiracy, but this is totally in the Swifty conspiracy. Uh, for for sake of ease, if you have been one of those people who have successfully managed to avoid this uh, conspiracy theory talk, and I'm pretty conspiracy theorish, but uh, we'll, you know we'll get into this one. But at the end, this the idea is this, and even uh, even my man uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has sort of been uh, touting this. The idea is that uh, Travis Kelsey, who has done copious ads for Pfizer, who we all know is financially benefiting from the vaccine vaccine agenda, and Taylor Swift, who in 2020 endorsed uh, Joe Biden for president that somehow we're taking their illustrious careers. Kelsey has been a, a Hall of Fame tight end for a long time now, and uh, Taylor Swift has been a Hall of Fame uh, singer, I guess, for a long time now. She's been popular for, I've never listened to a singer, single Taylor Swift song, but I know she's been around for a long time. The idea is that we're going to artificially put these two people together, put them on TV all the time because the Chiefs are, are doing well, and we're going to use that to do something whether that's uh during the end of the super bowl after the chiefs raise another lombardi trophy that uh they give the microphone to taylor swift for no reason at all and she says she says uh chief's kingdom now go vote for joe biden eight months <laughs> from now like you know i'm not I'm not really exactly sure how where i was gonna go with that i'm not sure the political aspect of that like um I get that, like, if they're put together artificially as a couple for a completely political reason, like that happens. I think that's what Bill and Hillary Clinton are. I think that's what <laughs> Chelsea Clinton is. She's literally, she was literally a nine-month experiment to make Bill Clinton look like a family man. I, her, I feel bad for Chelsea Clinton because her entire existence is not uh, the product of a loving union, or, <laughs> or not even necessarily a, a god with a plan for her, because. <laughs> No, I take that back. That was awful, uh, because because she's there to just prop up there the political, you know, uh, that the, the Clintons are a real family and not just a political alliance. But I, you know, I just don't get it because these uh, the Swift and Kelsey have been famous for a long time. 
uh, if you're going to say we're going to put them together for the conspiracy of it all to help Joe Biden get elected, if you believe that, you're also conceding that you believe in elections. You're conceding that you believe that votes matter, that votes count. And a lot of people who are kind of saying, well, the, the Swifty conspiracy is in play. These are the people who don't think that votes matter anyway. So why would you need Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift to say anything to endorse anyone eight months prior to the election? If uh, if no one is actually participating in a legitimate election, Jason, I know you're struggling over there. I know that you've got like a, a python of sickness wrapping around your throat, but uh, people do miss you from last week. And I rambled a little bit. Tell me what you think about it. Yeah, I missed being here last week. I apologize for that. But uh, I was going to go a little bit a little bit lower on the on the totem pole as far as I just think after the Super Bowl, she's going to be named the new NFL commissioner and Roger Goodell will be her servant, her servant slave. That's kinky and weird and, and a take I would not have guessed. Uh, but I will say this. Anyone will be better than Roger Goodell. So, not wrong. <laughs> so I, I think uh, that's a bright future that we have for the NFL. Commissioner Swift could probably bring a lot to the game. After that, uh, after that championship game, and I literally just saw this article right before, right before we started. But uh, I guess Twitter X, whatever you call it these days, blocked Taylor Swift searches because somebody threw a bunch of AI uh, – graphic pictures up which i think is absolutely hysterical because i absolutely hate taylor swift um jill's daughter loves her and will have that blaring through the house and i have to come in yelling turn it off turn it off my ears are bleeding turn it off i get that it's personal for you uh i guess just how would it feel if you know there was some nude pictures of you floating around i don't know your career might take off from that you and taylor swift are coming at it from different different ends if, like, like uh, my only fans page going well the thing is is like uh you know i was gonna threaten you a little bit saying you know i'm a little bit good at photoshop and you know i'm pretty comfortable seeing men naked after six years working in a prison but honestly if it's at all realistic i think it would just help you i've seen your biceps I've actually seen you without your shirt off, close up and in person, just because, <laughs> that of, our, because of our deep, uh, deep past. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I won't do that to you just because it's something that a, that a good friend would do, and I'm just not that good of a friend. Um, <laughs> they were debating that on the news about whether or not that should be allowed, whether or not people should be able to use AI to, uh, you know, Im impersonate uh, celebrities and other people doing uh, lewd or explicit things. All I will say is, is like. Uh, you're like 24 years too late to the party. I can recall like being a youngster and my first time on the internet, you would see, uh, you know, celebrity nudes. They would just be poorly edited. What's the difference between then and now that, you know, that they're convincing, um, yeah, just better, better quality, better technology. And that's, that's about the only difference. Yeah. They're also lamenting that you can't trust pictures anymore. And it's just like, well, we've had pictures of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster also for a very long time. So when did you start trusting pictures? Right. Or and, anything uh, why, are you, why are you claiming that now is when you should stop? And case in point, I remember being a little boy and uh, I remember with my first trip to the American Southwest seeing this picture of a jackalope. And I fucking believed it for like 25 minutes. And, and uh, you know, finally I had to, I asked a question about it when it revealed what a stupid, naive little kid I was. So you've never been able to trust anything. People have always been Photoshopping shit together for a hundred million years. You know, you should not be believing pictures you see. It's too bad that, you know, someone would, uh, would propagate those pictures. You know, if you do like Taylor Swift, you know, why would you? seek to embarrass her that way or whatever i you know i don't know i we're not really we're not really here to protect taylor swift's interests or feelings she does she does have enough money to kill me if she wants so it's you know it's hard, hard for me to really feel terribly bad for and it just helps her trend which not to be cynical like you want to believe that people this famous are are still human beings but it's like you know uh, any publicity is good publicity but I wanted to break down uh, just a list to give you something to think about. If you still think that Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift are psyop, Bridget Moynihan and Tom Brady, Giselle Bundchen and Tom Brady, Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers, Olivia Munn and Aaron Rodgers, Shailene Woody and Aaron Rodgers, uh, Carrie Underwood and Tony Romo, Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo, Kim Kardashian and Reggie Bush, Kim Kardashian and Miles Austin, Zendaya, and Odell Beckham Jr. Folks, when you're a football player, you just have access to dating different levels of people than what Jason and I have. Uh, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, Jason could probably date 
much, much higher than me, not just because of the aforementioned excellent bod and uh, the status that he enjoys as a firefighter. I enjoy no status whatsoever. People, you always hear the phrase, call the police, and it's offensive to me because the police never fucking answer. It's me. Or call the <laughs> fire department. And by the way, it's not Jason answering 911 when your house is on fire. It's me, some some Ohio chump that's exactly like me that gets no status for standing. <laughs> but, it, but anyway, uh, when you're famous, you just you get to meet people, and I'm sure that you know, Travis Kelsey at one point met Taylor Swift and they, they either saw in each other uh, a tremendous swelling of uh, synergistic energy that was designed to propel both of them to new heights of fame, particularly for Travis probably needs it more since after the NFL, if you don't become a broadcaster, you kind of disappear for the most part. That list was interesting though, because I forgot about Kardashian and Reggie Bush completely forgot about that one. I know it's it's amazing the way that your brain wipes out that information because it's not something that matters at all. But I, you know, I googled Very it. Good list, though. Very good. I list. googled it before we started, and you know what's funny? I googled uh, famous people and uh, and uh, who's the celebrities they've dated. And what was funny about it is that it showed all these couples, obviously that I just read off to you. But Jake, it, it just listed Jay Cutler by himself. <laughs> and, and i guess he got divorced from like Kristen cavallari or something and i don't know how famous she is or whatever but i guess the divorce was so complete that like it they erased their their coupledom from this website because it it's it's a set of felt players who have deleted who have to have dated famous people and it shows all these couples right <laughs> it shows tom brady and giselle <laughs> Bunchin, but then it's just a picture of jay cutler by himself because he's <laughs> just sitting there like this He's got a cigarette in his mouth, and he's 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 wearing his own merch from the pro shop. <laughs> Although I remember that divorce, man, that was very, very, very contentious. It was, uh, yeah. They accused him of, uh, she accused him of uh, marital uh, misconduct, which, to be honest, goes on a lot. And I don't want to excuse Jay Cutler from that, but like, why are we going to point a finger at Jay Cutler when anything like that goes on? So, uh, the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, now I guess I'm going for the Chiefs just because I can't I can't have the 49ers win. Uh, for for those of you keeping count, the Cowboys are five time world champions, and so are the 49ers. And every year, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, are are their their tremendous feats of history are tending to be uh, washed away by uh, the progress of history itself, let alone other teams. I do not want the 49ers to have one more win. Uh, than the Dallas Cowboys. The the Steelers have six, and the Patriots, I think, probably have seven or eight or 100. But uh, all I can control is the NFC, right? And I, I want the Cowboys to continue to be atop the NFC for all-time Super Bowl wins. I don't even like having to share that record with the 49ers, but I definitely don't want the 49ers to go one up. That will hurt me uh, more than so many things have already hurt me this year, and I don't need one more thing. Um, very torn on this, John. Very torn, but you have to be torn because you hate the Chiefs as your AFC conference rival. And but you know, the Bengals and the 49ers weren't they last in the Super Bowl together? Or like, what's your beef with the Niners? Because a lot of people hate him, and I would like to know why you do. Well, the Niners, the Niners beat the Bengals in both. Well, Bengals have been to three total, but the first two was 49ers over us and it's very very heartbreaking um now being friends with you and understanding your plight with your cowboys i'm probably gonna have to root for the chiefs even though that hurts my soul because i'm not a not a mahomes fan i'm not you know and a lot of this is just personal not even sports related he is a fantastic quarterback but his wife's a chump his brother's a chump oh Wow, we are, we just punched right below the belt on the, on the first round. His brother's a chump. Jackson isn't his Mahomes, mother, isn't not, his, is his brother's a criminal, right? We're allowed to say that, right? Oh yeah. Okay, well, accused I, I, allegedly accused. I don't know if it was ever convicted or not. Okay, I was worried that like you were just saying like he was a trial lawyer or like an unsuccessful <laughs> dentist or something. And I'm just like, you know, those things. Like we all do our best, Jason. You know, uh, we're, we're all just trying to make it through. That's all. I knew that he, he had some some kind of Mahomes had some kind of problem, which it must be hard to live in the the, the shadow of your brother being that big. But you know, uh, I don't have to empathize with him either. You don't have to go for the Chiefs for me. I guess I'm gonna go for 
probably the 49ers being injured somehow. I don't want Brock Purdy to be injured. I, I, I'm, I like Brock Purdy, and I, it, it really hurts me to say that. Uh, he just he does seem like a good guy, and he seems to be uh, kind of an underdog in extraordinary circumstances. There'll probably be a movie about him at some point, particularly if he wins. Um, I didn't realize watching you know watching that game. I did not realize, and I've watched San Francisco you know throughout the course of the season, but I guess I just didn't pay enough attention. Is how fast Brock Purdy is. He yeah he did he did get on on uh, some wheels. He did uh, it, when the game called for it. He took off running. And uh, case in point, it seems to be something that Jared Goff cannot do. And some of the reactionary podcasts I was listening to, you know, which are good. They're okay podcasts. I don't always agree with them. I had to give them up in 2020. They were so uh, anti-Aaron Rodgers, if you can read between the lines. Hmm. Uh, but uh, they were saying that, like, if uh, if uh, Jared Goff had his way, like, he would make it so that the quarterbacks got to just uh, – Receive the ball while sitting on a bar stool, like that was a rule, so that the, no one, none of them would be able to get to scramble around because that would ultimately level the the playing field for him, because he's not much of a scrambler. It is a game now where once your pocket protection breaks down, you've got to get out of there. That's obviously what Lamar Jackson was counting on. Uh, his passing game was uh, a disaster. Not that he was necessarily bad um, from what I saw, but every single time he he threw the ball, like. Every time I saw him do that, it seemed like he was throwing an interception in the end zone. It just yeah. uh, the the receivers uh, were not there for him; they were not catching the ball, and it was really a I would call it an upset to say the Chiefs won this game. Just you know, they were playing badly throughout the season. The Ravens were kind of undisputed top of the AFC, and then uh, and then the Ravens go out there and play like that. And I guess I guess that's why you just really can't go for conspiracy theories because the Ravens were, were locked into this weeks ago with the whole, you know, uh the color conspiracy and all that. And and people just thought they were locked in. Yeah. And uh they were saying Lamar for MVP, which you know we'll we'll still find out. But you know, uh I, I've been talking about this to Jake forever that you know running's not enough. Obviously Lamar Jackson can run with pretty much anybody that you would want to put in for that. Uh you know whether it's uh, Donovan McNabb or uh, Michael Vick or um, who are the other great running quarterbacks? Who is that guy? Fran Tarkenton. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. I, I don't think he was a, a quarterback, but he could run. But he could uh, run. I'm just I'm just going old school, old school players that. Yes. Uh, speed, like how the game's changed. I mean. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but, uh, you know, the quarterback's got to be able to to throw the game, throw the ball. It's still very much a passing man's game. And we've got to be able to to have that in a case in point. It's not enough. And I just say that to rub it really in, in Jake's face. Uh, they were both two great games, though. Two great. They were. Games. We'll talk about the Lions next. But before we get to them, I wanted to talk to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the sponsors of the show, folks. The show is brought to you by Ghostbed. Uh, that's a mattress company. I know you. I I know that you go to sleep every night. Do not lie. If you're going to go to sleep, go to sleep on a ghost bed. Why? Because they support this podcast and you're listening to this podcast, which means it's your favorite show. So go out there, use the offer code Wolfpack on their website. That can save you up to 40% on everything that you can find there. If you go there and there's a better deal already in place for President's Day or Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day or for whatever, if it's 50% off or whatever, don't be a dope. Don't be an idiot. Use the better deal, but go ahead and put in Wolfpack into the comments section in there. Let them know that we're the reason you're there. That way they send money back to me and Jason. It's called capitalism. It's called cronyism kickbacks or whatever. We get paid to talk about them. You go over there. You buy ghost beds. We get dead like a new wheelchair. That's what we're, we're intending to do. So go over there. Uh, use the offer code Wolfpack. Let them know that we sent you over there. We'd appreciate it. Our thanks to Ghostbed for always supporting us and firefighters and veterans and dispatchers and police officers since way back in the beginning. Thanks for making mattresses in the good old United States. Also, I know that you eat as well. After you wake up in the morning, you're usually having breakfast. Well, Factor Meals has breakfast, folks. Go over to uh, Factor Meals. Use the offer code WOLFPACK50. That'll save you 50% off to start. Uh, this is an era in which uh, it is... Uh, shocking to go to the grocery store it's as expensive as eating out so why why eat it out why go to the grocery store why not have your food just delivered to your house you can have fresh delicious meals prepared for you brought right to your door reverse trick-or-treat style as i like to say chefs have over 300 options for you to pick over on their website you can go over there you could do all your meal planning at once so you don't have to eat on a whim this will help you if you have certain goals for 
reshaping your body composition this year, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, protein heavy, you want to load up on some muscle, you want to lose some weight, you want to cut carbs, or say you want to be the world's fattest man and you want nothing but sugar delivered right to your door in the most true trick-or-treat fashion. Folks, Factor Meals could probably find a way to make that happen. These are not hungry man dinners. These are delicious meals. This is a gift of from the wise you of now to the uh, you of the future. Go ahead and go over to Factor Meals. Use that offer code Wolfpack50. We appreciate you, Factor, for supporting us. And uh, thank you uh, also to Sloopy Auctions. I don't know if that Buckeye stuff is still there, but go yeah. over to Sloopy Auctions. And is it gone? It's done. You know, it's all over. That auction. I mean, the auction there, but the reason we talked about it, that that particular auction is done. But thank what you. Does for that, does that mean he pulled all the stuff down or he sold it all? No, it was like it ended. It had a, it had a start and end date. So it went for like two weeks. I've never heard of an online auction that has a start and end time. Well, you have now. <laughs> you're like, well, you're you're an idiot then. I, I, I didn't I didn't make it. So, folks, uh, speaking of idiocy, uh, we want to talk about the lions and who who's the idiot? Me. We were thinking that something could happen at halftime. I was watching at uh, my job, and I was. My jurisdiction was all settled down watching the NFC Championship game, so there's nothing going on. At halftime, I decided I'm going to go across the street to the old gas station, and I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to get a bag of spicy beef jerky and a nice energy drink, because that's as much as I can celebrate anymore. And I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this. This is going to be the first football game I've been able to enjoy in weeks. I'm going to watch the Lions make history, go to their first Super Bowl. They were already up like 100 to 0 at halftime or something. (laughs) They had they had relegated Christian McCaffrey to pointlessness because the the 49ers could not reasonably expect to run the ball and have enough time to catch up. Uh, they were putting Brock Purdy into a negative game script in which he would have to pass vertically down the field and perform feats of a champion, the kind of which that Brock Purdy has never displayed before. A young man never in this situation, crumbling under the pressure scrambling, being crushed by the ferocious Lions defense, which promises to bite kneecaps on its way down. In fact, that is not what we found, folks. Uh, the third quarter was a disaster for the Lions. I've never, it's scant scant few times in history, I've seen a game swing in that way. You, and you could feel it. You could feel the momentum turning in favor of the 49ers. You could feel the Lions watching their NFC championship slipping through their fingers and being able to do nothing about it. Basically what happened was, is that the lions didn't really get to reasonably possess the ball for the entire third quarter, which is a lot of time in the game. 49ers were uh, able to go on a drive and have some tremendous success. Some of which was aided by luck. There was a, there was a play where uh, a play was breaking down. Purdy was about to be uh, tackled and he slung the ball seemingly like, over his shoulder to some guy on the right as he was being tackled. That guy caught it for a first down. That sustained the drive. And then, of course, there was like some 22-yard catch where the guy caught it with his chin. You know, like <laughs> he, it was the, the it was the kind of thing that as soon as you saw it, you said, this is the play that changes the game. Sometimes that's what I love about football is that it can change on a single play, a, a single feat of physical prowess, uh, something amazing, something incredibly unlikely, what, akin to a uh, Dwight Clark's the catch or the helmet catch or the immaculate reception can happen. And those things are psychologically damaging. What else is psychologically damaging? Well, when you send the Lions out to do what you have done all year long, which is to go for it on fourth when the analytics tell you that it's basically a coin flip and you may as well, the Lions go out there on fourth and fourth down and fail to convert. Uh, so, okay, you lose the, the coin toss. I don't think it necessarily means you should tra- change your strategy, but a lot of people right now are, ca- are criticizing Dan Campbell for his over-aggressive style and saying uh, that, uh, you know, that he got beat by his ego, that he doesn't know when to quit, he doesn't know when to fold, that he should just enjoy punting and kicking and that he leaves points off the board because he doesn't have the place kicker go out there and that he sacrifices significant field position when he loses... When he fails to cut a fourth down. That's what happened here. I don't think we should criticize Dan Campbell. And why? Because I was the one criticizing him a couple weeks ago against the Cowboys saying it was his ego, right? It was his ego that said he had to go for two to try to win that game. It was that tying it up and going to overtime wasn't enough for Dan Campbell. Uh, that he tried three times and failed to, to convert that game, that two-point conversion to uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys. That's why he lost. 
it's also his aggressiveness that has gotten the the Detroit Lions to where they are, right? Like uh, they have um, been mired in misery since Bobby Lane left them after the, the 57 season. You know, that was their last championship was when Sputnik was a thing and my parents were born. Like that was the last time the Lions were doing anything. And now the Lions, uh, I mean, they had their own, they had an NFC championship in the 90s, but they, they were back. They were resurging. And why? It was because Dan Campbell would play in a way in which no other head coach would play. He would play aggressive. He'd go for it on fourth down. He wouldn't give up. And people are criticizing for this. This isn't the, Cam- the Campbell gamble that I think failed. I think it was, uh, although it does do psychological damage to your team when a fourth down fails to convert in the defense uh for the other team uh, leaves the field and the offense comes on and takes over and you're you, you, that's a defeat for you. I think the, the biggest gamble that led him down was as time was expiring at the end of the game that he chose for a running play in which they uh, failed to convert or score and the clock kept running and they'd use a timeout and then they had to resort to an onside kick at the end. Folks, uh, they've changed the rules for the onside kick in recent years so that I think the statistics on a team recovering an onside kick are now less than one in a hundred. So as they were going out there and saying, we need to we need to recover this onside kick, I'm just thinking the statistics of this, he has a less than a 1% chance of doing this. Like, you may as well not even do the onside kick anymore. And if you want to see a good onside kick, you can see this Pat McAfee has done one recently. Some of the best kickers will find ways to innovate. Sometimes you'll just get lucky. The ball will bounce the right way. I saw an onside kick being conducted, I think, by a high school where the kicker kicked it off the helmet of the opposing player's team kicked it off of his helmet so like he touched the ball technically so the ball was live so there's ways to do it but the onside kick is almost not even a thing in football anymore when i was a kid it was entirely the rules were different and you could do that i think it had to do with how far apart the teams were or something anyway well i think to criticize to not to cut you off but i think to criticize go for it you know i said a couple weeks ago i said you know dan campbell is i mean he's a player's coach you know, he has, he has the trust of the locker room. He's, you know, he's emotional, but then he's also ferocious. Um, but he, he didn't do anything out of the norm that he has done all season. Like you said, he's gone for it all season. So him keeping the game plan that he's had all season to get them to that NFC championship. I don't understand how you can criticize it. It's very easy to do after the fact when it didn't work. Now, had he had his team, been able to execute he'd have been hailed as one of the greatest coaches oh i know so yep. it's, i mean it, it's a it's a pendulum that it just depends on which way it swings and it, it didn't swing in in their favor this time but they played a great first half and we're up 24 to 7 now whether you know whether the niners got into their head and or they got into their own heads or whatever i mean there were just many things that just broke down if you watch jared golf a, his scrambling is terrible that we were talking about. You know, it's like he's got cinder blocks on his feet, for one. Two, a lot of his throws were either, you know, he was slinging it and, you know, either just out of reach of his receivers or a couple of those catches sh- should have been catches had the receiver not, you know, let it hit, you know, his stone hands. I mean, I saw two or three of those. That those would have been those would have been first downs, and that would have changed the momentum of the game. So, you know, the NFL is, is is a game of momentum, and you have to have that momentum shift on your side. But when you give up four straight scores, <laughs> you're going to be a little deflated. You have to be – your defense has to be able to stop them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just that. Their offense had a lost fumble right after the touchdown, right? So yeah. all, this, all of a sudden, you know, when you talk about the game being one of psychology of momentum, I completely agree. I was on the lookout for that because I, I was like, you know, if there's one thing that, that will destroy these Lions – after that drive where the where the 49ers came back and scored a touchdown and then you think like first of all oh the lions haven't scored in a long time and now the 49ers have and then on this on the very next drive right away they lost that fumble it was just like you could just see blood in the water you know the sharks the sharks were circling the lions and uh i I think that's what what undid them and they were unable to get back on their feet after that I, i don't think you can blame campbell at all i don't think he should change the way that he coaches i think if you're gonna blame anyone it's it's frankly, it's on the players. I, I don't think that they had a bad. I don't think they had a bad game at all. Look, looking at uh, how the first quarter went. Look how the first opening drives went. They were they were doing well, but yeah, it seems like uh, after some some 
some bad turns went against them. And after the the 49ers frankly refused to give up, you have to hand it to Brock Purdy that in that situation, he didn't just be like, well, I'm going to manage the game until the game's over. And, you know, and he's thinking about picking up some nachos out of, on his way out of the stadium. Like, no, he's, his head was in the game and he was determined to win the entire time. And I think it's so often you don't see that case in point. And he played, he played his brains out. He did. Case in point, the, the Cowboys and the Packers. At one point, the Cowboys were uh, were on their butts, having been uh, punched in the face by the Packers, and they never got back up again. Whereas Brock Purdy did. So you have to hand it to him. I'm legally required to to mention that. Like you just have to say, like he had it. He had something in him that not necessarily the Dak Prescott had in him. So hand it to uh, Brock Purdy for doing that. Uh, if any of my friends see this, uh, I will. Uh, I'm going to get beaten up probably behind the gym. Uh, it's not, not good. Um, it's, it's tough. But so the 49ers are heading back. Uh, I, I don't like to see that, but I guess good for Brock Purdy. And uh, I'll watch the game. But like I said, I don't I'll be rooting for the Chiefs, I suppose. Uh, shifting away from that towards something else. I don't know how many thoughts you have on this, Keith. But uh, Bill Belichick still unemployed. Uh you know, he's the greatest coach of our generation, I guess, you know, and uh, is he going to be free this fall? Uh, you know, we, we've seen Harbaugh go to the Chargers. Uh, even Arthur Smith has picked up a job. Uh, but the biggest piece of the puzzle, the, the the one piece that would seem to control all the other pieces hasn't been in yet. We have no idea where Bill Belichick's going to go. Do you think he's unemployable? Do you think he's uh, enjoying his control over the market? Like, I really can't tell what's going on. Is he totally undesirable or is no one able to successfully court him? What the hell's happening? I think I was very, very shocked that the Falcons didn't pick him up because that was where everything that I'd read, like all sides were pointing toward Atlanta. And then they hired what uh, was it? Raheem Morris, I think was his name. Yeah, which Raheem Morris is part of that famous laundry cycle of coaches that we talk about. He, you know, he used to be the head coach for the Buccaneers, like. 12, 15 years ago, which I completely forgot about. To be yeah. Honest. Well, well, it was a forgettable 10 years coach. I mean, right. the, the one thing I liked about Raheem Morris is I remember him specifically. Uh, there was a player who was mouthing off to him and uh, being very undisciplined. And Raheem Morris said, if you don't stop drawing these penalties and stop mouthing off, I'm going to bench you. And this was a, this was a starting, uh, I'd have to look up to see who it was. This is a, a starting player who at one point had played for the Cowboys. So it made perfect sense that he was undisciplined, but, uh, Morris benched him and subsequently that season they ended up firing him and uh, I that brought up a lot of feelings for me because it's like the players get paid so much money the players get to be paid to be uh, out in front and they oftentimes are the front faces of these franchises and the, this is where you get divas right this is where you get your people like Terrell Owens this is where you get people like Odell Beckham Jr. people who think that uh they come before the head coach and the coaches get paid less than the players and the general managers, you know, uh, people like Jerry Jones or whatever, will pick up these players because they think they can elevate the team. And then the coaches want to discipline them. And you get kind of like a divorced parents type situation where, uh, you know, uh, mom says one thing and dad says another and uh, the kid gets spoiled, you know, because, uh, because dad refuses to bench him because uh, I'm kind of getting off in the weeds here, but because he he gets paid so much money, they're not going to pay him all that money to sit on the bench and he has to be benched in order to learn some discipline. So that was Raheem Morris. So I learned to respect Raheem Morris back when he was the head coach of the Buccaneers. Uh, it was actually he, a good analogy though, because you, yeah, because you have the ownership going against the coach saying, Hey, look, you need to put him in. He's like, well, he's not doing what I fucking told him to do. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, the owners are like, well, it's, it's my bank account that's paying him. So get him out on the field. But, I think, I mean, I think with Belichick, and I don't know this for fact, but I mean, I think it's got to be a money slash contract. He he needs a sweetheart contract, and some of these teams aren't willing to pay it, just given, even though his past, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. But, you know, his, you know this past season, you know, whether that put a bad taste in their mouth, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's, he's shot his shot and he's done. I don't know. I, I can't imagine him going anywhere for cheap. I mean, he's going to he's going to expect a, a lot of zeros. He's also going to want a lot of power over that team. You know, he's general manager yeah. in uh, New England. There's a lot of places that are not going to give him that case in point. The Cowboys apparently never even considered it, which we all have to just 
us for the Cowboys think is insane for you not to even consider it, right? Uh, to have a team as talented as the Dallas Cowboys are in contrast to Mac Jones and the Patriots team who had nobody this year. You take them, you take a, a team where you have players like CD Lamb, Dak Prescott, and you put them with a coach like Bill Belichick. I mean, it just seems like uh, a marriage that you wouldn't want to ignore, but Bill Belichick's going to want power and uh, Jerry Jones is never going to give that up. But well, let, also, me ask, let me but ask also, you this. If you were in Belichick's shoes, if Jonathan Bates was Bill Belichick and had the resume and the career, you know, coming through the coaching ranks, you know, of multiple teams and then, you know, just developing his way, his style, given the dynasty that he had, I mean, would you even want to coach now at this point? I mean, how old is he? He's like, what, 71? Something he's like he's up there. That's the thing, though, is that we, you know we actually see this in our line of work, Jason. Uh, you're coming up on retirement. I don't know how healthy and well adjusted you are. You seem healthy and well adjusted, but there's yes, a lot of people who, who who can't see themselves beyond the job, right? Like there's some people who only see themselves as a cop. There's some people who only see themselves as a firefighter. I'll tell you now that this does extend to other people. I know people who won't retire because they don't know what they're going to be if they're not a 911 dispatcher. I know people who can't see themselves as what, what am I? I'm not a correctional officer. This is all I could be. This is all I could do. It's not about him. It's not about money. Bill Belichick has enough money to, to have me killed, but <laughs> I think that's the permanent standard, by the way. Um, but uh, it's, it's about image. It's about walking away and finding a way to do that at the right time. And I think it's, I think it's the hardest way to do it is that he had a, you know, a parting of ways with the Patriots. I think he would have been better to go out on his own terms earlier. And now he's got kind of a bad taste in his mouth. And this has happened to other players and other coaches too, where, you know, think about how many players in history, particularly high profile ones, have wound up playing for other teams. Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. You had, uh, uh, who's the guy that played for the Jets? Joe, I'm blanking out his name. Uh, the most famous one ever. The oh, Joe Namath. Oh, I'm sorry. God. I was I was typing something. I was trying to figure out. No, I'm sorry. That's dumb. But Joe Namath played for the Rams, right? Like the, 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 these guys have this image problem where they can't walk away from the game when it's time. So they wind up someplace. They wind up with some tainted legacy. Emmett Smith with the Cardinals probably would have been a better thing for me to say where, um, you know, they, they don't know where to, where to go because they can't see themselves as not part of that team, but that team doesn't want them anymore. So I think with uh, with Bill Belichick, though, the ty- the dynamic is different because he doesn't have much time left on his resume. He's not going to go somewhere and sign a 10 year contract. He's not going to be coaching when he's 81. Right. You know, he's not he's not de- butkus where he could just be a coach forever. You know, um, so what team is going to give him all kinds of power to shake up everything that's going on, which means unseating power from someone else to give it to him for a two year contract or whatever. Right. Uh I, I just think that he he wants a lot of power and doesn't have a lot of time and probably the money thing is is huge for him and I think uh, I think he's like uh, somebody with a master's degree I think he's worked himself right out of a job well and, and like in uh, another one not that they're in the same the same caliber but you know Mike Vrabel not not going anywhere as of yet I thought for sure that he would take over for Belichick since he had just gotten his, his red jacket, you know, for his ring of honor. I mean, he was a hell of a Patriot. I thought for sure now not knowing, and I can't remember, I just drew a blank on who they hired for the head coach, but I had no idea that apparently that was in that guy's contract that he would be the next head coach. But I thought for sure Vrabel would go there, but now Vrabel's, you know, also in the bread line. That was in it. That was actually, you're talking about Brian Callahan. No, no, no. Uh, for the Patriots. Oh, for, oh, uh, Jared Mayo. Yeah, I didn't realize that was in his contract. How could that be in his contract? Because wasn't he just like a, a skills position coach, or I, even an unskilled position? I wonder where where he came from. But how could that have been in his I'll have contract? I'll find the article. I'll send it to you because I was shocked. I was like, I thought that was Vrabel's Vrabel's gig all day. But uh, yeah, I thought as well. What he was a he was the uh, the inside linebackers coach. 
So he wasn't even like all linebackers, just the inside linebackers. He's literally the coach of like four guys, you know, like two starters and two on the bench and I don't know, maybe others, but uh, I, I guess they just saw something of Jared Mayo. And, you know, this is something I wanted to see from the Cowboys was them uh, putting up someone, a Jared Mayo type figure, someone who was not uh, someone there who was resting on their laurels. Mike McCarthy, former, you know, Super Bowl winning coach as if, that punches him a ticket to anywhere else. Like after he's done with the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy will never work again. Um, but yeah, I, but same, same thing for Bill Belichick. And obviously you couldn't have two different guys, right? Belichick, probably the most coveted coach of, over the last 25 years. Uh, even when he was with the jets for a single day and the Browns, like Bill Belichick has long since been desired and respected. And, and now we're at a place in history where he's evidently on the job market and going nowhere. And in some ways, I think this is more shameful than him like winding up coaching the Cardinals for the for a season or something. It's just it's just uh too bad. You have to know when to quit. I think the greatest truly do, but like I said, uh, like so many of us, he doesn't know how to see himself post career. He doesn't know who Bill Belichick is outside of the head coach of the Patriots, because that's just who he's been. Could be other things too. You know, I don't mean to dime store psychologize the guy, but I guess that's just from from my seat. That's that's where I would see it. And you asked me what I would do if he was me or something, and I have no image problem at all because I have no self image. You know, I just am whatever I am on the screen. I am I am whoever I'm podcasting with is is what I am. So, you know, really, when this podcast ends, that's that's when it's the end of old John. Speaking of the future, uh, <laughs> speaking of the future. Uh, what's in it for the Chiefs? If they win, I think that if they if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I think it's really going to be a loss for them. This is something I was thinking about the other day. What's going to happen for the Chiefs in the future? Head coach Andy Reid is sixty five. He's not Bill Belichick old, so yeah, there's some still some tread on the tire. But some people are talking about Andy Reid possibly retiring. You have to remember he was a very good head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles Eagles uh, twenty years ago. Travis Kelsey has played 11 years, which is a long time for a tight end. It's probably not the longest played tight end ever, but he also is putting on a lot of mileage since other people in Kansas City cannot catch the ball. We were talking two weeks ago about how Kelsey and Mahomes uh, broke the record for receiving duos uh, set by Brady and, and Gronkowski. Kelsey is getting a lot of plays. His brother just retired. Uh, Travis is saying he's not going anywhere, but... I'm worried. You know, we talk about going on out on top. We just talked about that with Belichick. If they win and Andy Reid is uh, at a as a at an impasse where he could say, "I can go out on top," having gone to all these AFC Championship games and won all these Super Bowls right at the end of my career, if he's well adjusted, if he can see himself having a post uh, head coach career, if he has a good self image, he could retire. Kelsey could retire, and then you have Patrick Mahomes, but. Other than that, based on what we saw most of uh, some of this season, you know, the Chiefs might actually be headed for a, a kind of a rebuild. What are you thinking about that? No, I, I completely agree with that. You, if you lose Andy Reid and you lose Travis Kelsey, Mahomes is going to be he's going to be swimming upstream, essentially by himself for the most part. Um, you know, he's got he's got Pacheco behind him, you know, running the ball who who ran very well. Um, but yeah, you're pulling. I mean, you're you're pulling your your the guy who's steering the ship. So, all right. So, who do you put in? Yeah, you know, whether it's, uh, Spagnola goes in there. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I think he'd be a good candidate. Yeah, yeah. But, but then you have to. All right. So, what are you going to do with with your receiving leader? Who, who's who's going to step up? And when they have that, when they gel like that, and one of the you know one of the two of the you know those those partners leave, you we see it all the time where then the quarterback or the tight end, depending on who leaves is, is lost. You know, you get used yeah. to that comfort zone. I mean, he knows if he throws it within five yards of Kelsey, it's in his hands most of the time. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's a safety blanket that Mahomes has that frankly, I'm jealous of as a Bengal Bengal fan, but uh, yeah, we've got it with Jamar chase for the most part with burrow, but I need burrow on the field and not to be hurt. But uh, you know, Chase is the same way. You get it. You get it within five yards, and as he quote unquote said, he's always open. He's like seven eleven. But yeah, when when you get these these big shifts like this, and and even you know, going into the Super Bowl when they go in the off season, and as all the pundits start talking, 
that psychology gets in, into people's heads, you know, gets into the players' heads, the rest of the team, because he's not going to come out right away and say, I mean, he could potentially just say, all right, I'm done. I want another Super Bowl. But if he doesn't, then everybody talks, and then he's keeping, you know, keeping shit quiet, and then you have everybody else on the team swimming in the sea of uncertainty. I, and you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco. You, you know, he's one injury away from not having a career, and I, that's not put down to him personally. I'm just saying when you're when you're running the ball that way, like you are the most prone for injury, and you're also the, getting the most uh, damage to your body, and okay. your career is usually going to be shorter. So. Um, I think if they're going to have uh, a dynasty akin to the Patriots, it's uh, the, that's the way. The reason why the Patriots are so amazing is because they had a lot of players come and go, right? It wasn't Gronkowski the whole time. You had you also had Aaron Hernandez. He was in there for a while too. So, what does the Chiefs' future look like? I think if they win the Super Bowl this year, I think you're going to start looking towards the second half of the Chiefs' dynasty. And to be honest, with Andy Reid being 65, if you if he's going to make the most of Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes' career. How long is that going to last for, right? Like Mahomes is, we would all agree he's still in the easily in the front half of his career, but Andy Reid's, you know, in the in the final years of his coaching career. So who's going to come in and uh, pick up those reins and and continue the Chiefs' dynasty? I think uh, if they win the Super Bowl this year, it could seriously uh, curtail. Uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, everything that you love about this team, the the current chemistry and the dynamic that you have now could be going away, uh, just because people are going to want to walk out of that building on a win. So. Right. I'm not saying that that you should root for your team to fail. Obviously, a, a chance to to win a Super Bowl is something that only comes comes along every 30 years, you know, by my standards. So <laughs> you, you should you should go in there and, and win the game. But I don't know. Just uh, that's something to to be speculating about. Hopefully, that they can, for Chiefs fans' sake, they can find someone who can come in there and be the next uh, Travis Kelsey, the next tight end, next receiver continue to make the most out of Mahomes and, and have a schemer and, and game planner and designer and team manager uh, after Andy Reid, who will make the most of his career. But Mahomes is somebody who uh, has a lot of talent and a lot of knowledge. And it's not just a flash with him. He does, he does have excellent quarterback play knowledge and he'll be okay for a long time. But uh, as he gets older too, you know, he's going to require not only the protection of an excellent O-line, but of uh, ever advancing sissy rules in the NFL. So I think Mahomes will be okay. And a a contradictory fact, you know, what I said, you know, look at all the hoopla that was around when Tyreek Hill left and went to Miami and it was all, it's, you know, it's doom and gloom, you know, even though they had Mahomes and they had Kelsey, but it was doom and gloom for their running game and this and that. And, you know, that didn't come to fruition. So, I mean, it's uh, it goes both ways to where sometimes, you know, those, you know, those paradigm shifts don't, you know, negatively affect. But, but I mean, for, I mean, weeks when Tyreek Hill left, everyone was like, holy cow, like, what are they going to yeah. do? Blah, blah, blah. S- same thing with Kareem Hunt, right? Like yeah. back when the Patrick Mahomes thing was newer, they were like, this is what's gelling and this is already breaking apart. And I guess what I'll say in counterpoint to that, just because we like to speculate about it. Michael Irvin got hurt. Dallas Cowboys were seriously concerned because, well, that's the end of Irvin's career. And uh, a third of our trio is gone, right? Aikman, Irvin, and uh, Smith. That was the engine of the offense. All three of those things really doing well. So they uh, completely sold out. They went out and got this guy, Joey Galloway, who was injured like right away. They were never able to really replace Michael Irvin in terms of his on-field uh, abilities. They had the ability to to draft Randy Moss and said no, which if you ask me, if anything cursed the Dallas Cowboys, it was that in case in point, Randy Moss. Uh, in every game he ever played against the Dallas Cowboys, he never lost. And in every game he ever played against the Dallas Cowboys, he scored a touchdown and he loved the Dallas Cowboys growing up and he always wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy. I think we're under the curse of Randy Moss currently, uh, if you wanted to know my view on that. But uh, they were never able to replace that energy. I think I think sometimes you get players together that are more than the sum of their parts. And I, the triplets for the Cowboys were definitely that. Of course, they had their O-line that I never want to just fail to mention. But <laughs> you have to you have to respect that 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 Kelsey and Mahomes have a dynamic that's very much like Gronk and, and uh, Brady or, you know, um, Burrow and Chase. Like they, they have something that makes them more than the sum of their parts. And if that goes away uh, with Kelsey retiring, or if the the coach aspect of that goes away, how will that change the dynamic? So I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but I'm just saying that a win could be the worst thing for the Chiefs' protracted future. It, it could just be fine. I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, 
I throwing mean, it over all, to all that speculation. I, yeah, the off season will be very interesting to, to see. It will be. About. And maybe, maybe they'll draft well and then we'll have, they'll have the next heir apparent and it won't be any kind of big deal. Uh, Lions return to the NFC championship. Um, so the AFC and the NFC are not the same. Uh, I've been saying this for many years now, and many people have argued and fought with me, but like the stats are there in the AFC. Say, just take it back to the realignment in 2002. In the AFC, you always have a few powerhouses, right? Early on, we're going to go Patriots, Colts. We'll throw in Steelers every now and then as spoilers. Ravens are in there. But it's mostly those teams who are rising to the top of the, of the AFC. It's particularly the Patriots every year. You know, they're, they're the dynasty team. They're the team to beat. They're, they're really the one that's stopping anyone else from having a lot of success in the AFC. NFC, totally different. Like, the NFC is always sending different teams uh, to the Super Bowl every year. Uh, the 49ers are making a second appearance in four years, but Generally speaking, the 40, the NFC has a lot more parity, right? We don't see a lot of teams uh, holding position at the top very long. You know, the Rams were in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. They were viewed as uh, as the powerhouse team, the team to the team to beat, where all the superstars were going. Uh, they the Rams kind of sold out for that. They gave away all their their draft picks in order to acquire all this talent yeah, to go bought, in for. They th- bought that Super Bowl. They bought it essentially, right? And then what happened after that? You had Brady going to the Buccaneers, and they were the superstar team, and every every single superstar player wanted to play with Tom Tom Brady and the Bucks. And now he's created a vacuum, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, being out of contention of the NFC. Uh, kind of created a, a certainly an open field this year to the point where the Dallas Cowboys and our fans certainly believed that we had a, a chance now that there was no more Aaron Rodgers standing in our way. Um, do, can the Lions make a return in a conference where there's a lot of parity? Uh, you really have to be a top team to return uh, in consecutive years in the NFC. So Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, was offered apparently the job as top dog over in Washington. And he said no which Lions fans have got to respect that he said no to his own head coaching job so that he could stay with the Lions. Obviously, he sees something there in Detroit that they want to build on. He very much wants to double down on the success that he's had in Detroit rather than try to build his own. That's a selfless person. That's uh, someone I could see, uh, someone very much under the wing of Dan Campbell. But uh, do you think that uh, the Lions are going to return for a deep playoff run next year? I'd be curious to look at what their what their contract structures look like who you know who's on the last year of the contract you know because i think if they have i would say if they have three quarters of that team back then yeah i think i mean i think you will they'll be a force to be reckoned with next year i don't think that this was a flash in the pan if they have the personnel returning now with not knowing not being a lions fan and not paying attention you know to their roster on you know who's who's on the end of a contract or or whatever but i think if they have a lot of those same you know game you know game makers you know in in play then yeah i mean i think i think they could but i agree with you in the fact that yeah the, the way you described the nfc that they they send different you know they send different teams each year so again that'll be curious to see in the you know, in the off season, what happens there as well. Well, the other thing that's interesting, you know, we talked about the dynamic and what's working for the chiefs. You have to wonder what the lions are going to do because Jared Goff was always just supposed to be sort of a, a gap player, right? Like they made a deal to swap him out for Matthew Stafford. They wanted to Stafford wanted to go to a place where he could see himself winning a, a super bowl, which like you said, the, the Rams were buying that out. But, um, what's going to happen for them. I think the players want Jared Goff to return, um, but is it in their best interest to start uh, maybe drafting his replacement now or trying to find his replacement? Now? Right. Are they going to try to go get a veteran to back him up? Are we going to see like one of those guys like Teddy Bridgewater or somebody, you know, that you've been seeing around uh, Jameis Winston? Is he going to roll into yeah. just, or, or Jameis Winston type? Is he going to roll in there to back him up and they're going to go with Jared? And it's what, you get one of those quarterbacks that's been in multiple team locker rooms in the same year, potentially, you know, just kind of filling a void. But I would, I would think that they would start looking at what's the next generation quarterback for that team. And, you know, with having the success that they had, they've got a taste of it. 
you know, they're going to want it back and they're going to start, they're going to start looking that direction. Now, whether that's this year or not. And again, I don't know how long Jared Goff is going to be there. Um, contract wise, I can't remember what he signed, but he's not, he's, he's not a young, young guy. I mean, he's not, you know, by any means old, but you know, by NFL standards, he's, t- I mean, he's typically not an elite quarterback. We saw Jared Goff this year that we haven't really seen. So, he he is playing better, uh, but you have to wonder like we don't when's the breaking point to win. Uh, that's not enough. Well, it seems like a lot of players have kind of been on the rise. Like Kirk Cousins is somebody who's gotten better in recent years, but like you know what has that done for the Vikings? Like uh, you know this this year, I guess he did get injured, so you could make that point about it. But it was kind of you know it's kind of too late for them to make the Vikings an elite team. But case in point, you know we got the Forty ers going this year. Uh, last year it was the Eagles that win, the Rams before that, the Bucks before that. 49ers before that, uh, and it was uh, the Rams before that, and the Eagles before that, and Packers before that. So it's like we literally we do send a different team every year where the AFC doesn't do that. So I just think that that if they do manage to or make a repeat appearance in the NFC, uh, that it will be something that's amazing. Good luck to the Lions, I guess. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys. This is so frustrating. Jerry Jones has already issued statements saying we're all in this year. You're going to see us coming for you this year. I'm like, does that mean we were only half in this year, Jerry? Were we half in like the last two years? Were we half in like the last three years? Were we half in the last 30 years, Jerry? Uh, He just makes me so mad because like the team is clearly calling for like a massive rebuild. And I would almost like to see uh, them do what the, what the Rams did because Jerry needs to do something. He's 81. It's time for him to, to do something to have a, another Super Bowl win before he dies. Right. So I would like them to see them, se- you know, selling off certain players for, uh, or se- selling off draft stock to acquire certain players to do something. Um, and even in his over- position, who is he, who is he grooming in a secession plan to take over for him? Like you said, Oh, Steven Jones. Uh, he's like, like 107,000 years old. Stephen Jones, but uh, there's also rumors that there's like an indestructible android body being constructed beneath the uh, AT&T Stadium, and that uh, by the time Jerry Jones finally dies, we'll have the technology to transplant his brain into that body. So it's just going to be <laughs> Jerry Jones forever, and that there is no hope. Uh, but Jerry Jones is just like, oh, we're we're doubling down on what we've always done. So like, uh, I've never had less hope for the future and i always get scammed in the fall right like you know something something happens that gives me hope we have a couple good division win games like this past season like it was the the game where we opened against the giants where we just kicked the ever-loving shit out of them like we were just scoring on everything like special teams was scoring uh touchdowns um you know something something happens that makes you believe and you get you get scammed all over again and somehow like he's just the world's greatest scam artist and so so he's just saying like uh you know we're we're doubling down you're gonna see us go all in and in a sense he has to say that just because of the timing right like it's mccarthy's last year it's Dak's last year if there's ever going to be a rebuild it's two years from now but it's just it's just more just it's very disheartening to get more of this jerry talk about how like you know we believe this year's the year and it's just off-season noise we should actually make it like a feature on here like the dumb thing that jerry jones just said just so you could see me <laughs> Uh, reacting to Jerry Jones throughout the season of oh, he, know, he definitely likes to talk, that's for sure. Well, you know, when you're a cajillionaire and you own the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, can you imagine how I'd behave if I own the Dallas Cowboys? Oh my god, I I just own a couple of cars, like that's what I own, you know. So <laughs> imagine if I own the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> if I- um, yeah, on the other hand, imagine if uh, if they were going to the Super Bowl, I would. What a mess I would be in this episode. <laughs> Final topic before we round it out, because Jason uh, needs to uh, drink a uh, big big bottle of hot vinegar and snort some lemon water and go lay down in bed. <laughs> uh, Bidenomics affecting the NFL. Folks, milk, eggs, all up in quarter one. You could barely feed your, fa- feed your family. For those of you looking to take your family to the Super Bowl this year, tickets are surging 150%. Uh, if the line holds on what demand will be for this game, of course, uh, opening up at, to the game to the 49ers fans where, you know, money certainly runs all over the place in California. I think if the Jaguars were going, it would be a quite a bit of a different game just because the Jaguars have the smallest following and probably not the most money either. But 
you wanted to talk about this. Imagine key, how so. many how many Jacksonville hillbillies would be in that stadium if they could afford it. Oh my gosh, I would hate. <laughs> if there's anything I would hate more than seeing Taylor Swift on the screen, it would be hate hearing them the yelling Duval because I've never fucking understand that. And although it's a, something that I'm capable of learning, I will not learn it. And they're not the only ones. Like I don't like the Saints who dat, and I don't. No offense to you, but I don't like who day because it's grammatically incorrect and I don't understand like the, the ethos behind it. But I don't like Duval. Anyway, I know that you wanted to talk about the the price of the, the tickets going up and you had an article there. If you wanted to just tell people why their dreams of going to the Super Bowl and putting their children through college can't exist at the same time. <laughs> well, this headline that I saw, Super Bowl 24 ticket prices in, in Las Vegas could surge to record-breaking average of $12,700 if the early demand holds. I, I don't understand how the, the demand wouldn't hold because – there's, I don't right. think there's ever been a Super Bowl that hasn't been sold out. I mean, no, so. and 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 we know what the game is, right? It's two weeks away. Like, you can't tell me the results of the Pro Bowl games are going to change demand for the Super Bowl. What's going to happen in the next two weeks? I mean, right. Uh, StubHub in here quoted that it's trending ninety percent higher than last year's Super Bowl. Why? And I don't understand why. That's my question. But every year, like I told you, every year, like I'm always curious to see. All right, so what? What do the tickets cost this year? What? Are, you know, because every year it goes up anyway. But it says uh, a whopping 26 percent of those early buyers were from California, showcasing how strongly 49ers fans have come out of the gate for the championship matchup. So, do you think that's just because people hate the Eagles? Do you think that's what depressed prices last year? <laughs> I have no idea, but it's if I had to guess, I would say that's what it was. Is you have all these Cowboys fans, um, you know, we're a significant portion of the country. We're well over fifty percent, which is why people like Stephen A. Smith can make money trying to piss us off. There's just a lot of there's a lot of uh, people who re react to that. And like we said earlier at the show, whether you're a naked Taylor Swift or whether you're a a fake Dallas Cowboy hater, Stephen A. Smith, there's a lot of publicity and just being someone who's not present in the in the public eye. But yeah, I would guess the Eagles probably depressed prices last year, and now we're just kind of um, we're seeing a return to average. So regression towards average means the price is going up. But that, and also you know, just Joe Biden uh, and his terrible economic policies making the Super Bowl less affordable than ever. I'm trying to see what were the do you know the prices for a ticket to the first Super Bowl game? I bet that and the first Super Bowl game was a novelty, right? Like people viewed it as an exhibition game, a postseason exhibition game. I'm gonna look it up. I'm looking it up. I'm gonna. I bet it was like. I bet it was like ten bucks. Oh man, let's see. Oh, uh, today's price are far from the Super Bowl. Intended. I was right. Could get you into the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum if you adjust for inflation. Uh, the first Super Bowl tickets would now be about ninety three dollars. So, yeah, ten dollars went a lot farther in the sixties, but still ninety three dollars compared to twelve thousand seven hundred. I mean, you can't. I won't even sit here and do the calculations on that. That's insane. So, so 1980 Super Bowl ticket cost was thirty dollars, and adjusted for inflation would have been 114. You so, know, people people got mad at me that I would. People have gotten mad at me that I would use time travel spe just specifically to intend certain football games in person. But yeah, that's what I'm going to use it for. I'm going to go to. <laughs> I want to go. Uh, I want to go go see those old games and. uh just pay a pittance for it and you know get a get a hot dog for a nickel and just sit there and, and watch real football that's and wear your wear your suit and your fedora wear my suit and my fedora yeah i mean that's what's really changed the game is like look at me now like i'm here in my my national jersey getting all repped prepped for the pro bowl games you know everyone wears the swag but it, it is fun to like look at uh footage of old nfl games you know i'm, I'm a huge historian and just watch the people in the stands like they're just like dressed like they literally just came from church. I'm like, well, we'll go to a football game after yep. church. I'm like, there's the fandom was was completely different. I think uh, back then, the uh, the fandom for football was a healthier thing. I think now it's a bit more of an obsession. It's a bit to use a Charlie Brown sentiment. It's too commercial, you know. It's <laughs> it's what is what is football all about? Does anyone even know? And you know, now it's about now it's about conspiracies. Now it's about you know ticket sales and now it's about the halftime show and now it's about literally literally the commercials you know during the game and 
we've lost something about football that uh that mattered and uh i don't i mean that i mean that in a glib way but also in a real way you know and now it's about it. taylor swift unfortunately now it's about taylor swift which just has to ruin it for you which you know i'm trying to think like did we ever have an equivalent to this i named all these celebrities but we never had like you know, Bet Midler, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> controlling the fate of the Super Bowl. Like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara Streisand, you know, like you got you gotta imagine she's a 49ers fan, but you know, she was never out there like controlling the fate of the game or like you get you would never see her on um, you know, Monday night football, you know, back when that was the the big game. And uh they would never like, oh, there's Barbara Streisand's in attendance tonight. You never actually and the only thing that I could that I could grab onto was uh like in the, in that comparison, and it would only be for one game, was when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem. Well, Whitney Houston was a national treasure, and she still is. But that's the only that's the only thing I can you know have in comparison. Yeah, but, I I remember and that, and it's by no means what it is you know with with Swifty, but uh, yeah. Folks, there is an interesting documentary out there. I encourage you to look for it. I don't know the name of it or where to find it. So this is where you really like do your best to like be an investigator, but there's a documentary out there about how mad TV saved the Super Bowl halftime show. It's about how like the Super Bowl halftime show used to be like, literally would like be like the 4-H club and like a high school team would come out and do flags during the halftime show. And like you have a guy like on a jetpack, right? You would have like this absolute like Barnum and Bailey circus type show, like totally lame. And then mad TV back in the nineties, which was sort of an SNL competitor said, Hey, uh switch over to fox during uh the the halftime show and we're going to entertain you with some comedy and this is when they had jim carrey on on mad tv oh, yeah. and so and then the, you would go you switch over to fox and they had a clock at the bottom they would say half you know it was the halftime clock it's running at the so you could watch mad tv and then when it was over you could switch back and uh like the ratings for mad tv were huge that night and it showed the world that like people get pissed off sitting around during the halftime uh, part of the Super Bowl waiting for something good to watch. So that's why we have that now. Why don't we have anything good to watch during the halftime show? I don't know, because it's always something fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> do you remember the one like last year where it was like literally like uh, I, I hate to even like bring this up, but like somebody like some singer like grabbed themselves and sniffed it or something like it was like the worst possible. Oh, fucking I don't remember. Thing. Do you know what I like to do uh, when it's Super Bowl? For me, I like I like to clean up the kitchen. You know, I've had some snacks. I'll go ahead and put some of that stuff away. Use the bathroom. Really enjoy that. Uh, there was one year where I was like, you know, it's been a long time since I cleaned my pistol. So I literally just got up my gun cleaning kit and disassembled my pistol and cleaned it. I'm like, <laughs> all right, now I can go back and watch football. So uh, I don't know. May, I, who is even even doing the halftime show this year? Do you even know? I don't even know. Um, I think neither I think of us Usher. know. I think it's Usher. Never heard of him. Some usher's going to do it. <laughs> They're going to pull a guy from the seats. <laughs> That's me, folks. All right. Thanks for listening to Illegal Shift. We appreciate you. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a big case breakdown with Eric Tanzi. Uh, coming back uh, on Sunday, we've got uh, Night Shift TSI. And then uh, Monday, we're going to have Uncuffed. And then Tuesday's another true crime. So, uh, again, uh, check out one more amount of here. If you want to see Jason and the gang over there, we're hoping to see Rob back on that show soon. Like I said, you can catch me next week. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We appreciate you. Um, go National. Win those Pro Bowl games. I missed the actual Pro Bowl. I was the only one that liked it, and they took it away from me. All right. Guns up. Giddy up. Good night, America. Good night.